0: I don't know. I need everything to be ultra fast now. I have very little patience and it's starting to annoy me <laughs> <laughs> because I, I tried to play a, a game the other day. And, and my PS5, when I load something like a scene loads or something like that, it drops you straight in there. Like There's, there's seconds between anything. I played the game the other day and I, I walked into an area and it just stopped and loaded for a while. And I was like, I'll go off and do something else. It was it was awful behaviour. <laughs> I, felt, I felt bad for myself because I was like, wow, I used to have so much patience. Do you remember as a kid when you just used to kind of do nothing? You'd just be like, oh, wow, yeah. I'm bored now. I'd like to be bored for a bit, I think.
1: That's why you always get your best ideas in the shower, right? Because that's the only time that your brain has non-distracted that it can come up with good ideas.
0: I... I listen to the radio in the shower, so I think I'm busy then too. <laughs> Maybe I should start, like, you know, not not listening. I tried cold showers for a while. That's that's They're supposed to, like, you know, nope. wake you up in the morning and bring, uh, bring ideas to you. Nope. But that was painful. Yeah. I did not enjoy that.
1: Why would you put yourself through that?
0: I've started watching
2: highlights from 8 out of 10 cats does countdown in the shower. <laughs>
1: really
0: that's the weirdest one you
1: both can't spend 10 minutes stood in the shower doing nothing no i wash my hair and you know and
0: uh, i don't have this luxury uh like i take my glasses off to go in the shower and Mm -hmm. i can't see anything
2: (laughs) i have perfect vision so i don't have that problem
0: you watch your phone in the shower
2: I mean, that, that's, well, I, I mean that's. Well, I mean it's a
0: good use of time.
2: It's on. Like I put it, I put it on the shelf. I like put it on the shower shelf. I don't like hold, stand there and hold it. I'm not a
1: shower but shelf.
2: No, i I've, I've been really <laughs> into eight out of ten cats does countdown, and let me tell you, that show is filthy and like. The, the deeper down the rabbit hole I go, the filthier that show gets. And I am here for it. I love it. It's the best.
1: So much so you have to watch it in the shower. <laughs> yes. Yep. Do you have like a little phone holder for the shower?
0: No, I just lean it against the shampoo bottle. You could kind of upgrade and just like get a TV in your bathroom. Um, that's come on.
2: No, let's not we don't need to do that. That's a that's a bridge too far.
1: No, nah, this time next year, there's going to be a TV in your bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> So welcome back to Random But Memorable, the podcast brought to you by 1Password. We're here to bring you lots of friendly security advice, a roundup of the latest security news, and some very special guests.
2: I love that. That's awesome.
0: I'm in the show notes, yeah. and apparently we're going to talk about iOS 15. We are. Ah. Are you both running iOS 15?
1: I am, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. I haven't updated yet on my iPad, but I've got it on my... Uh... On my iPhone.
1: Oh, yeah. My iPad mini 2 is too old.
2: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Well, it would have been too old for iOS 14 as well. Yeah. Because they didn't drop any devices this time around. Is it basically a Kindle at this point? Is it black and white?
1: A Kindle that I play Roller Coaster Tycoon on, yeah. (laughs) Uh,
2: So we have this article in front of us. The iOS 15 privacy settings you should change right now. And what I've done is I've opened up my iPad and I think we can do a few of these live on air. I've not done these yet. So who wants to guide me to be safer online uh, live segment? I mean, sure. Let's do it. Okay, great. All right, what's first? Block
0: email trackers, right? No, I don't want to do that. Next. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, hang on, why are we not blocking email trackers?
2: What? No, I'm kidding. Let's do block <laughs> email trackers. All right. All
0: right, okay. It's Apple's new mail privacy protection and it stops email sends the marketing emails and newsletters and, and stuff from that. It stops them from seeing your IP address when you open the message. So that is under settings, mail, and then privacy protection. And turn on the option... For protect mail activity,
2: mail privacy protection works by hiding your IP address and loading remote content privately in the background, even when you don't open the message. This makes it harder for senders to follow your mail activity. I'm guessing this is there's also spam protection in here because a lot of times what'll happen is that spammers will email you and just by viewing the spam email, they're like, ha, got him. and gotcha. then, then you're
0: yeah. And this is not on by default. All right, what do we got next? So the next one is uh, the App Privacy Report. So it's in the privacy settings on iOS 15, and you turn it on Record App Activity. Record App Activity. Okay, again, on by default. The Privacy Report then gives you a quick glimpse of your phone's sensors and which app has used which in the past seven days and the domains it has connected to over this time. This is really cool. I think we should revisit next time on the show. Uh, what everybody says. All right, I'm
2: sending you my app. I'm sending you my app privacy report right now, Matt. I don't know if I should have, but I did. <laughs> oh. Seven days of app activity have been recorded.
0: It's a JSON file. <laughs> Why do I want this? I don't know. Okay. Well, it's nice that they added a share button. Well, uh, maybe a format that I can use. You
1: can see what Ruse apps yeah. are doing. Maybe
0: don't look at that. Can you just delete that file out of hand? That'd be great. Thanks. I'm absolutely going to scour it.
1: You can see how much uh, eight out of ten cats Ruse is watching.
2: <laughs> Let's hide my IP address. How about, what's, what's, what's this one here?
0: This is part of the intelligent tracking prevention, Safari's way of blocking online tracking. I think this must be on by default, right? Uh, it means that websites can't turn your IP address into an identifier. Settings, Safari, hide IP address. Uh, there's a range of options. And then turn it on for trackers and websites. I
2: have two options. Sorry, not a range. Uh, it's, I can turn it on from trackers or off. Your IP address can be used to determine personal information like your location protect this information, so far, you can hide your IP address from known trackers. Now, I'm guessing that like when I go to thehomedepot.com and it's like, hey, can we see where you are so we can find the nearest store? That stuff will still
0: work. I think that lo- uses location rather than IP address, though, right? Yes, but it does fall back. Well, I guess we'll see. Yeah, we will, we will find out. Okay, so the next one is uh, protect your browsing with private relay. I have some troubles with this one because I use Hole, the Raspberry Pi thing that runs my DNS, and it has ruined me for normal vanilla internet, because I block so many adverts and weird domains and all the like side-loading content nonsense from the internet that when I use a VPN like this, it shows me all the adverts still. But it is one of those things that you can use if you don't have that.
2: Okay, so this is under iCloud Plus feature updates. Private Relay is currently in beta, and when you tap on it, you go to the top of settings, it's right underneath your identity card there. Protect your Safari non unencrypted internet traffic. Private Relay is internet service that hides your IP address. Okay, it's a VPN. Takes me to a website. Says how Private Relay works. Where's the... I just want to turn it on. Just let me turn it on. There it is. Private Relay. On. Hey. Okay. I'm safer. So,
0: I, I mean, it, it is worth noting something that came up. It's not in Watchtower Weekly, but there is a, a company out there that has been buying up and being ruthless about it, buying up VPN companies. So the former malware distributor Cape Technologies now actually owns ExpressVPN, CyberGhost, Private Internet Access, PIA, which is one of the, you know, big ones for privacy, and Zenmate. I have used a couple of these in the past. They've also bought A huge collection of VPN review websites (laughs) so that different versions of CAPE's VPN holdings are, are at the top of the recommendations. It's a huge, rapid expansion into the VPN industry. And I think a lot of the users of these VPNs, well, they're essentially now sending traffic to a unknown, almost. And I'm I'm sure the end users of um, these VPNs aren't aware of this.
1: Yeah, and just to add to that, actually, I remember seeing some headlines lately around Edward Snowden warning users to stop using ExpressVPN after this CIO was named in the UAE surveillance scandal. So. It seems like VPN providers are really coming under fire at the moment.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a great time for, for um, Apple to come in with a with a VPN. Yeah, for sure. The the last one they talk about is just sort of going through the privacy
2: basics. And there's one in here under privacy app tracking. It's, it's the second one. It's just called tracking. And there's an option there to allow apps to request to track. Now, this got refined throughout the beta period because I remember reading, like looking at this and saying, like, I, I still don't quite understand it. The switch is off by default. And it says, when this is off, all new app tracking requests are automatically denied. Okay, I say it's off by default. I may have turned it off like a long time ago. But this is this is sort of like the the big privacy thing that they introduced back in iOS 14. I think the language has been updated a little bit to make it a little bit more clear what this setting does. Uh, I just have it off. So no apps get to even ask to track me. They just get denied to do so. Nice.
0: And then I think there's two other things to, to talk about. One of them is that 1Password for Safari runs on iOS 15. Oh, yes, indeed. So this is really nice because it's essentially a, a version of our desktop web extension on iOS. So you can access, you know, your secure notes and everything straight from the browser. You can also fill any of those things. So it fills identities, it fills credit cards, all of those things. To use this on an iPad, iPad has been kind of verging on a desktop class for a while And now the fact that it has the entire desktop 1Password experience is amazing. You can, like I said, fill all of the credit cards, logins, identities, email addresses, addresses, all all of those things. You get the in-page filling suggestions as well. It auto-fills two-factor authentication codes. It also fills and saves the virtual credit cards with Privacy.com that we launched earlier in the year it uses the smart passwords that we haven't talked about a bunch on the show but um they magically meet the requirements of the services that that they work on there's a whole bunch of stuff on the ipad as well you can unlock with face id and a touch id Uh, what a great update yeah so i want to give a couple shout outs one i want to give a shout out to of course
2: our team the apple team and our browser experience team for making this happen Two, the safari extension team at apple they introduced this in june at wwdc And I think just given some of the the communications back and forth between our two teams, I think that we definitely pushed the boundaries of what they were expecting browser extensions to do on launch day because we, we definitely came to them with some use cases of like, hi, like we want to do all of this stuff. And they said, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, great. And they were incredibly receptive. And we got this thing out there on launch day and. It's great, especially on iPad, which is a device that continues to sort of blur that line between tablet and desktop. So
0: yeah, go update to iOS 15, use our new browser extension in Safari. It's pretty great. So, I mean, hot off the press as well, not to do with iOS 15, but uh, another thing that has come up is you can now protect your privacy with 1Password and FastMail. The cool thing about this partnership is that it essentially comes in with masked email powered by FastMail. So you can protect yourself from data breaches and spam with unique email addresses for each account. You can easily create email addresses on the fly as well. Like anytime you are asked to sign up to a service or anything, OnePassword will show you an option to create a new email address instead. I know a bunch of people that use the password generator for that, but it will also root email uh, on the Fastmail side. And now creating and managing unique email addresses for every login is, is really as easy as you know, generating a password. Other thing that's really cool is if you start receiving unwanted emails, you can easily identify the service that shared or sold your email. And if you need to, you can just switch it off from inside one password. It's huge. I'm so happy this has come out and I need to give Fastmail another look because I'm still stuck on my Google Apps account. But this is going to make me switch, I think.
2: I mean, we've had folks from Fastmail on our show. I've been on their show they're world-class, I have to tell you. And I'm so excited that we're landing this integration with them. This is one of my new favorite things that we've done over the last couple of years is trying to find those people and those companies in the online security space that we can partner with and that hold the same values that we do around privacy and security. And to sort of steal something that our that our CEO always says, find that one plus one equals three Combination and get this stuff out there. So it's very, very cool. I'm so glad to see the fast mail integration building on top of what we did with privacy last year. More of this to come in the future, almost certainly.
0: So, welcome, three time guest to the show, uh, which I think is a record uh, Troy Hunt. How's it going, Troy? Uh, is it wow. snake or shark season in Australia? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a great answer. That that just covers it.
3: Well, you, you know, it was, oh, when was it this month? I don't know, I lose track. I think it was the beginning of this month. We were, we were in the Northern Territory and we, we didn't see shark, but we saw snake and crocodile, uh, which was good. Yep okay (laughs) (laughs) fun fact i know it's got nothing to do with data security and all the rest of it but just reading literally today we have more crocodiles than have ever been recorded before in the northern territory now because uh, after they they stopped shooting them all (laughs) like 40 years ago they're now actually got so many of them that they're starting to uh, build nests very close to to civilization so fun aussie fact of the day oh my
0: goodness so I guess let's first of all talk about data breaches, because since the last time we we talked, there have been quite a few. And most recently was Epic, who, in addition to their customers' data, leaked data that wasn't theirs, but they had collected. And I'm I'm kind of interested in, you know, what you think. Is this indicative of what's to come in the future?
3: I think sort of the the macro observation there is that we really don't know just how far our data has spread. Now, look, I was in the Epic data breach. My email address was in there. And it was in there because they scraped Whois records. And multiple of those Whois records had my email address in them, both an old Hotmail address and a a Troyhunt.com address. It's just such a multifaceted discussion here because, like, okay, it's Whois data, it's publicly facing anywhere. It certainly has been in the past. But I didn't want it to be used this way, but I didn't really have any say in it. And of course, I had no idea that they had it either.
0: I know there was an element of, of kind of alerting people on have I been pwned as well around their data was included, but perhaps they didn't sign up for this service or, or didn't know what it was. That's one of the things that has been kind of interesting around this breach is people finding out that services are using their data through have I been pwned.
3: Yeah, it, it's an interesting little indicator, and I certainly saw many messages from people I'll give you the polite version of what they were saying. That the podcast-friendly version of what they were saying. It's basically <laughs> like. I wonder how this fine company has my data. I never consented to them having my data and I wish they didn't have it because for a lot of people it was a surprise. And I think what's sort of interesting, and this is probably a more Epic-specific point, is that people were then worried, not just the fact that Epic had their data, but they were worried about the implied association between them and Epic because for many people they didn't really want to be associated with Epic.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely it. Like um, I, I was also included oh. and this is one of the times I had – no idea about this service. Mm. I'd seen you tweet about it a couple of times. I I think you tweet quite a lot about data breaches. I kind of only pay attention to the ones (laughs) that I know about, like the services that I understand. Uh, This one I just glazed over, obviously. And yeah, I I Googled it and I was like, oh, oh boy. I definitely didn't sign up to this. I I definitely didn't actively make an account. Yeah, do you think that this will
3: happen more and more? Well, I I think it is happening more and more. And there's all these sort of combining factors around data breaches being more prevalent and being larger. We have more internet, uh, more cloud. We have more people on them. We have more instances of data being shared and exchanged. We have more data collection via things like smart devices and tracking watches and, and all the rest of it. And then the the transference of data between different services, and this is just one example of that, transference from, from who is in, into Epic. And that's before we even get into all the data aggregators that are operating on all sorts of different levels of the shady spectrum, (laughs) you know, and when I say the shady spectrum, I don't know, was I going to say that Equifax is not at the shady end of the, maybe they are. (laughs) I mean, they're, uh, you know. Yeah. They're a, oh, I was going to say legitimately operating company, I feel that's too ingratiating. Uh, they are a legally <laughs> operating company providing a, a service paid for by the likes of credit card companies. And then you go all the way down to the other end where there's just the outright spam masters just collecting as much as they possibly can and everything in between. So I, I think that this is just a norm, the fact that we mm-hmm. have no visibility to the extent of which our data circulates.
0: I think I get emails daily, saying that a person can sell me a list of email addresses. Oh, yeah. It's such a oh, common occurrence. Yeah. Well, actually, it's it's really
3: interesting that you mentioned that specifically right now. So as a, right in front of me is a PowerShell window trawling through the air quotes LinkedIn data breach. Now, it's a little bit of an oxymoron because, of course, LinkedIn did have a proper data breach where they had a system compromised and passwords and things leaked out. But what was in the news earlier this year was... A LinkedIn scrape in the same way as there's been a Facebook scrape and a clubhouse scrape, where someone has just managed to automate a script that gets past all the anti scraping defenses and just pulled out a very large amount of data. Their entire business model is centered around people's data being accessible to other parties. In fact, the value proposition, I mean, you go into LinkedIn in order to put your data out there so that it can be found by other parties. But I I guess the interesting conundrum for them then is how do we fulfill the very purpose of our service by making that data available to other people, but only the right people and under the right circumstances, not the wrong people and not en masse. Yeah, I think that's just a really interesting technology problem.
0: Kind of further fascinating because that data is their product right? Especially in the in the case of Facebook and LinkedIn, right? Like your connections to someone, your data and your history, you enter it into the service and it's their product is what makes them useful. Mm. So someone's selling it in mass to uh, other people. I bet it's top on their list of things to try and solve.
3: Yeah, and it's it's really interesting. So I've, I've been reading the, the book about Zuckerberg, the one that just launched recently. In fact, whilst I was up dodging crocodiles the other day, uh, I literally had no Wi-Fi cellular for the first time since I can ever remember. <laughs> and and so I was in the airport. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to read a book. I bought the – what was it? The awkward truth, uncomfortable truth. Ah, there's like, everyone knows what i mean. And it was just really fascinating to read about how Facebook, you know, on the one hand, it wants to provide this service. And I use Facebook a lot. You know, I, I know that I'm a saleable commodity as well. So, you know, how does the company navigate all of those interesting challenges? I just think that's it's just a very, very fascinating time to, to be
0: alive and to be on the web. So I got us off on a little bit of a tangent, but let's talk about Hello CISO. So this is actually a project I started at 1Password and, and Anna from the show has, has also done all the editing along with a super talented design and, and content team all helping out. For those who haven't checked it out, Hello CISO is an essentially an information education series. They're 12 videos. They're about 10 minutes long. Sometimes they're in two parts that are also 10 minutes long. And it is. It's its security content and education. I find there are two types of security content, kind of super technical run-throughs, and then the other half is like high-level theoretical. And I figured that I wanted some, so that's likely representative of of some of the industry. But there is a contingent of people who would benefit from that middle ground. And that's where I thought that we could kind of aim this video series for aspiring or or first-time CISOs. And that said, if if you listen to the Hello CISO or this show, or anything Troy you've done in the past, you're likely to be interested in in this content. So I think the the best introduction is for everybody just to go and, and watch the first episode, and, and we'll we'll put that in the chat. But. Troy, I mean, how did you find the the whole experience of recording Hello Cisco? Oh,
3: well, look, I mean, I, I think it's a lot of fun and I, I hope this comes across in the video series as well, that it's something that I enjoy talking about and I'm, I'm passionate about. And I, I think we've selected a, a bunch of really interesting topics here. And in some ways for me, it's almost like digging up old memories of what it was like to be in a company. <laughs> so it's been just over six years since since I left Pfizer. Of course, everyone knows who Pfizer is now. No, no one <laughs> no one really knew before, before this last year. but when I was in there in a very corporate environment when we sort of think about this this first one the the downfall of on-premise security is is, uh, episode one And, and I think about my experiences in there where I was there from 2001 to 2015 and that sort of spanned this era of going from people being worried about usb sticks inside the organization through to by the end of it we're worried about cloud and the, the whole sort of concept of perimeters really not being what they once were i've just found that really interesting to sort of go back and revisit that and so it's kind of made me feel old too because i was like i have
0: seen the change in this industry that has led to the downfall of on unprimsy i was there 100 percent. so i'm really hoping that that people are going to love it but what are you hoping that you know, maybe your audience will, will get out of this series. I think just
3: to sort of set a bit of context here as well, like we have deliberately pitched this at, at a level that should be really broadly consumable. And okay, we've got CISO in the title, but if it was, let's say, a junior developer in a company somewhere, I, I think that this would be quite interesting for them as well. And, and what I'd hope that, either of those demographics take away from them or take away with them is perhaps a, just a different way of thinking about security. I think we've taken a very sort of pragmatic approach to things. I like the fact that we've sort of put it out there and it's open and it's freely accessible and as, as I said in the, the launch blog post, it's like it's it's free-free. It's, it's not like just give me all your personal data and register here and then it's free. It's like, no, no, just like it's on YouTube. <laughs> you know, it's like, I just go and watch it. And I, I like the sort of the, the positioning that we're setting around making content like this freely available to people. And, and hopefully by doing that, we reach more people and our intentions are seen to be pure and, and the content is, is consumed in that fashion.
0: Yeah, I think the series is really all about adding context as well. When you're faced with a discussion or a decision at any level, whether it is on-prem or i think we cover things like hiring even in security and and technology Mm. and you know any one of those decisions comes with a huge amount of context that you kind of have to learn over time you know even if it is the the history of something or kind of the societal change around something yeah i think there's so much context in the content that we have there that it should help like you said at, at any level we might have a spoiler here, but for, for the upcoming videos, what was your favorite topic to talk about?
3: Look, I mean, we, we, did, we did a bit there on Shadow IT, which I think is really, really interesting because it is something that I just remember how many access databases I had to take over <laughs> back in Pfizer. like that's my memory. It's really interesting on multiple levels. I mean, we had to go in and sort of come up with technological solutions. Well. But, you know, Bob in marketing has become really, really dependent on this access database because it's, you know, really, important part of his job and you know you guys just need to support it it's like okay i wonder how we're gonna do that you know poor old bob's wondering why when more than two people are using it stuff just doesn't work properly anymore but it's you know thinking about the change over time as well it's like the access databases then became the the sharepoint team services sites it's like why are there so many STS sites out there, and then of course in more recent times it has become you know literally the Open S3 buckets. Or I use those things like Airtable a lot now. Airtable fantastic. I am quite certain that Airtable has become like the shadow IT. For many organisations, where Bob in marketing is just going, I'm going to solve my problem with cloud and they go out there and now we have a different problem. And then, of course, particularly in a COVID era as well, where it's like, look, people are having to find new ways of getting their job done and, and they're at home and they have access to cloud. Let me solve the problem. So I, I think that's a fascinating one.
0: Yeah, I think I think Shadow IT is probably one of my favorites as well. Services like Airtable, services like uh, Notion, they just get spun up in an organization. And it's just kind of understanding what tools are being used and, and what tools are, are going to be used. We talk about this a, a bit in the video, but it's it's all about kind of understanding usage rather than trying to restrict usage, right? Like <laughs> you're always going to be building walls otherwise yeah
3: and look I mean I always took the, the view and we can't sort of say you know hey Bob don't do this anymore I mean Bob has a need which is obviously not being met by the formal IT strategy within the organization so you know what, what is it that Bob needs to get his job done that, that we're just not making available and I, I think that when I mentioned before hoping to sort of get people thinking a little bit differently about security that that's the type of thing that we're talking about there's, there's certainly this very traditional viewpoint of this is the way it will work and everyone shall follow these rules and and it will will all be fine. But humans just work so differently. So I think recognizing sort of human behaviors and adapting strategy to that is a really important part of of being successful uh, in a CISO role or in, in any security role. Yeah,
0: I mean, putting my designer hat on for a moment, that was the kind of stance that we wanted to take as well with the animation that does help talk about these complex and sometimes abstract topics. So like, The color palette is completely different to to what we see in in general security videos. And, you know, you're not wearing a black hoodie with it over your face and and looking really menacing. (laughs) Like, we tried to do something a bit different. And um, I'm hoping the, the animation really does bring a, another level to the explanation
3: yeah look it's uh, we wanted to make this easily consumable it's not like we we, we have huge amounts of sort of detail and stuff you got to sit there and really think hard about the uh, the animations I, I think a nice sort of complementary uh, piece to the narrative and, and hopefully that makes people want to sit down and take you know really just that 10 minutes it's like it's something you can do in your lunch break and absorb that very quickly or if you're I don't know how many people are sitting on trains and public transport these days. (laughs) You can sort of sit there with your mobile device and watch it while you're transiting around. So hopefully that's going to help get a a lot of eyeballs on it. Exactly.
0: All right. So if you want to learn more about Hello CISO or or look at the first episode, you can search Hello CISO, C-I-S-O. Just go onto YouTube, search that, and you'll find the first episode. With that, where can people find more information about you, Troy? Troy Hunt. Google Troy Hunt. It's a lot of results when you Google Troy Hunt now it's actually really weird <laughs> or you can go to Twitter you're no longer the the number one the world's number one Troy Hunt
3: or well, no no it's just like a lot of stuff about me but I hope it's just the weirdest things that you know some of those sort of like Google auto completes that just have really really weird stuff <laughs> and if I just for fun is Troy hunt? Oh, well, I don't think I can even read some of these. <laughs> but uh, look, the, the easiest ways, uh, I'm on Twitter as Troy Hunt. Why is Troy Hunt net worth on there? And I wonder what it is.
0: Oh, if I search Matt Davy, it comes up with net worth. Yeah. Wow. I don't think my net worth is any interest to anyone at all (laughs) uh when i try been is troy hunt it comes up with is troy hunt still hunting alligators
3: not even crocodiles
0: (laughs) not even crocodiles (laughs) (laughs) well we we left on a good topic there but uh i'll say this that i don't say to many guests but until next time troy
3: (laughs) (laughs) cheers thanks mate look
0: forward to it I think it's the moment that we've all been waiting for. Mm -hmm. It's three word password. The single worst way to share a password. We use cryptic clues to guess the three mystery words created by our memorable password uh, generator. I was about to say memorable password researcher. (laughs) (laughs) Like like we've got someone going out there and just researching the heck out of what people need.
1: Full time job.
0: Yep. (laughs) So I have here three words and this is quite a difficult one this week because I did take it from the first randomizer. All right. Okay, so here we go. Number one. An informal way of saying an indefinite many. A lot of. An innumerable amount. You go. it's quite a short one there. Because I couldn't think of anything else how to describe this word. Is it myriad? No.
2: Fuck. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> that would have been awesome.
0: You really thought you were getting that first time, didn't you?
2: I really super did.
0: <laughs> informal way. That really is the key here. It is very informal. Is it just a ton or lots? I did tell you this one was difficult. I'll give you a clue. It begins with you. I hope we're not including all of this silence in the final edit.
1: Nope.
0: F- it, I think you stumped us. I don't, mm. I don't know this.
1: It's going to be, you'll tell us and we'll be like, "Fuck, thanks.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of swearing going on. I know. Sorry. I'm so
2: sorry.
1: This game gets us potty, man. Right.
0: Should we move on to the next one? Yeah, let's yeah. come back. Let's come back. Okay. <laughs> the next one is even more difficult. A drug or other substance, a combination of substances, that is used to increase the efficacy or potency of certain drugs. Used in some vaccines that helps create a stronger immune response in people.
1: combination.
0: <sighs> I know this.
2: And it is on the tip of my tongue and I can't get it out of my brain. Okay. Mm. It begins with A.
0: Is it amalgam? No.
1: I'm allowed to Google what I think it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a new <laughs> twist. I like the fact that you declared that you were allowed to. That that was the best bit about that.
1: Just to check. I'm allowed
0: to Google what I think it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just so I don't look completely stupid, you know, when yeah, I... You
0: know, that bit's not making the show.
2: Anna's just going to come sweeping in with the answer. <laughs> <laughs> ah, s***. <laughs> I
0: don't know, It's not...
1: Ooh, ooh. Is it adrenaline?
0: No. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Stumped on another one. All right, let's go to the third one. Great. This word means many different things. A small firework that burns with a hissing sound before exploding. A short piece of satirical writing. A miniature explosive device used in a wide range of industries, from special effects to military applications. And a made-up use of the word from Harry Potter means a non-magical person who is born to at least one magical parent. Well, I know what the rude term is, but I can't say that. What's the rude term? A mudblood. Yeah. Oh. Is that that? Yeah, isn't it, a, isn't it a someone who's
2: half magical,
0: half not? I think this is the, the other side of that. It's a, a non-magical person who is born to at least one magical parent.
1: That's a muggle, a non-magical person.
0: Yeah, but this is particularly specialist. The
1: person who is born.
2: Uh, wasn't Filch one of these? A squib? That is correct.
1: A squib. Well done.
0: Holy. Yikes. I I am concerned that Rue just out-Harry Pottered you, Anna.
1: Yeah, I'm (laughs) upset by this. (laughs) 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 This game, it just draws a blank on you every time.
0: Okay. Right. Revisiting the first one. All right. To save some time, I'm going to start filling in the second letter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Is the first one umpteen? It is. Umpteen. umpteen oh, my oh God. i would
1: have never have gotten that
2: <laughs> it's a good word that is good yeah yeah, yeah. okay a drug or other substance a, com- a combination of substances that is used to increase the efficacy or potency of certain drugs used in some vaccines that helps create a stronger immune response in some people uh, it
0: comes from a latin word adjuve meaning to help or to aid is it like a,
2: a dino or something like that all right I,
0: I i think we're over on this one and i'm yeah, just I gonna so i'm just gonna give it to you it is adjuvant. Oh
2: my, nope.
1: nope. Never
0: in it, Never nope. would have gotten it.
1: Why do you <laughs> give us Look, these really difficult ones?
0: The password generator is random. It is randomized. Some weeks are going to be harder than others. This one, uh, you know, y- you did all right with Squib. <laughs> we got umpteen eventually. <laughs>
2: umpteen, got umpteen adjuvant
0: Squib. What a good one. I think this is probably going to be one of our, our top ten episodes, really. <laughs> <laughs> if it has, it is entirely down to the editing. Yes. Yes, for sure. All right. Love you both. Love you both. Love you both. Bye-bye. Bye bye.